Hello, and welcome back to Craft Truck. This is take number 17, for those of you who are listening. Uh, although, just so you know, I, I've tried to do this introduction about 17 other times, and it hasn't worked out well. So today, well, fuck it. Here I am, crafttruck.com. My name's Jesse Eichmann, and this is a business of film episode. Uh, the reason why I'm struggling with this introduction is I just got off a call with Marin Olson, president of Traction Media, and I'm really stoked. I gotta say, she covered covers a lot of ground. There's some super amazing information here, and I just wanted to get this introduction right, but that didn't work, so here we are. Anyway, before we dive into the episode, just wanted to let you know of a couple other things that are happening at crafttruck.com. We just launched uh, In the Cut, which is our feature interview series with editors. Our first two episodes are up right now with Dan Liebenthal, who, if you don't know, he's the editor of Iron Man, of Thor The Dark World. He is a really cool guy, and if you like editing or just want some really cool stories about how he was hanging out with Steven Spielberg, I would just suggest you to go and watch that episode. So, uh, without further ado, we're here with Marin Olson, Traction Media. Enjoy this episode. It's a lot of fun. Take care. Hey, Marin. How are hey, you? Hey, how you doing? I am good, thanks. How are you? Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so before we begin, uh, maybe you can take a minute and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I run a company called Traction Media, and and we basically do all things independent film. We're based in Los Angeles, and um, we do everything from uh, developing to producing to packaging to selling independent films. Um, Our primary business really is the North American sales, which is a really different, um, you know, sort of distinction from international sales, just in terms of the the way that we actually go about it and kind of what the marketplace looks like. So it is a really specialized industry. Uh, and we work on films in that capacity that people send into us uh, either completely finished or almost finished and take on uh, movies working with those producers. But we also get involved in the earlier stages on certain films where uh, we will actually go so far as to find a concept or a short film or a, an early draft script that we really like and develop it, uh, we'll produce it, and uh, in other cases, a producer will bring us something that is maybe even partially packaged and ask us to help uh, you know, put the financing together or help them uh, crew up their movie, basically act as an executive producer to help them get their movie made. So um, I have the pleasure of really getting to work very hands-on with all types of different independent films that I fall in love with one way or another um, at various stages of their of their sort of life cycles. So uh, there's actually a, quite a lot in there in terms of, you know, topics that I want to explore with you. But before we dive into those specific topics, um, Traction Media, how did you start the company? When did it start? Uh, I mean, if I just do a quick you know, IMDb search on Traction Media, uh, of which I will include, obviously, a link in the show notes. Um, you go, you go back to 2003. There seems to be, you know, since then, 63 odd titles that you've sold, probably more. Um, and so, what is the history of the company? I just sort of just want to understand where you yeah. came from. 
No, definitely. Well, the company was actually launched at, uh, at Cannes in 2002, and it grew out of the business of a boutique entertainment law firm called Stonemeyer Genos, Melkinson & Binder. And they, uh, you know, represent writers, directors, actors, producers, and at the time uh, were doing a lot of work for their clients in the independent film space and were being approached to um, to put together their clients' films, to sell their clients' films. And it occurred to them that this was an area uh, in the independent film world that was being underserved, and so they started Traction Media. Um, I've been with the company since the very beginning of 2005, and, um, you know, in that time, you know, we, we have sold quite a few films. We are very particular about our slate in the sense that we don't want to be taking on more films than we can really guarantee are going to get out there into the marketplace. And so, um, you know, out of those, I think it were actually somewhere in the 70 to 80 films uh, kind of range of what we've been involved with and what we've sold over the years. Um, you know, we we really try to focus on on maybe 10 to up to 20 at the very most films a year that we'll get involved with, um, you know, with the idea being that we want to make sure that the stuff that we are touching is actually making progress. And sometimes that takes a lot of TLC and a lot of time. Um, you know, the marketplace is ever shifting. So so really, yeah, the, the, the company was formed with the idea of being a resource for independent filmmakers. And that's really continued to be our, our only mandate, you know, throughout the life of this of this company. And I'm curious, before sort of your career with Traction, uh, how did you decide to get into sales? Were you previously, were you, were you straight out of film school? Were you in some other side of the business and you decided to move into sales? Uh, what, what was it that made you want to, you know, play in this space? Well, I actually was, I went to USC, did the film production program as an undergrad there, and uh, straight out of film school, I started working for Lawrence Bender. I'd actually been his intern my senior year at college, and that turned into a job working for him. And Lawrence um, does uh, both independent films and also huge studio movies. Um, And I really found myself gravitating towards the independent films, both the ones that he was working on at the time, and also scripts that would come in that, you know, were easily makeable for $5 million. And that's what sort of made me start thinking about going more directly into the independent film side of the business. So it was actually um, a film that Traction Media was selling that Lawrence had produced that turned me on to Traction and what they were doing over here. And that's what really turned my head. I actually um, was really, at the time, more involved in the creative side of the business, more in the development side. My life was script reading, movie watching, giving notes, um, and uh, and that sort of thing. And, uh, and so it was definitely a shift for me. And I just found the whole thing really, really fascinating because at the end of the day, if you are in the independent film space, um, ultimately the, one of the most important, um, factors in what's going to happen to your film long-term is that sale. And, um, at the time when, when I first started talking to traction, I really didn't know very much about the domestic sales business at all. And so, uh, it was, it was something that really turned my head. And I think it's something that, um, you know, really every producer should be acutely aware of, um, because it does play such a huge role in the success of the film overall. And we're, we're going to dive into the whole sales side of what you do with Traction. I certainly want to, you know, really 
pick that apart and peel away the layers of the onion on, on, on all of that. But I, I am very curious. So you went from school to your internship uh, to your work attraction. The process of Actually, being... Oh, just was, to yeah. clarify, the internship, because you really can't have an internship without being in school. The internship was only while I was in school. And then when I graduated, uh, I was actually hired on and I worked as an employee for Lawrence for a year and a half as, you know, doing mostly kind of development work for him. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, the, the, the importance of getting an internship, getting your foothold in the business, that was integral to your first job, which led to what you've been doing now for the last decade. Exactly. Exactly. Great. No, that, 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 that's amazing. I mean, a, a question that comes up often enough certainly is how do I get in the business? You know, obviously, where do you go once you get in? Um, so it's just really great to hear uh, a story, another story of someone who did an internship and has obviously led to a career. Um, that, I, I, out of your, what, out of, just out of curiosity, what was the project that you were working on? Uh, or can you say that you were working on when you were working with Lawrence Bender that w- Traction was selling it at the, at the time? It was a film called Innocent Voices. Um, it, it was set um, in El Salvador during the Civil War and, and followed a young boy, a young boy's story. It was it was based on the screenwriter's actual experiences. Um, really wonderful little film. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what that's how I got introduced to Traction, the company. Neat, neat. Um, now, in terms of what you do uh, at Traction, there's obviously a lot of different parts uh, that you mentioned earlier. Everything from getting involved at early stages to acting as an EP, um, you know, and obviously it starts with falling in love with a picture. But I have to imagine that when you fall in love with a picture, it's more than just sort of emotionally falling in love with a picture or a script. <laughs> so, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about when you when a project comes in the door, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of, you know, or... or depending on what stage it's at and how many pieces of that package are there, what are the things that you look at to evaluate whether or not, you know, this is a project for traction, you know, assuming, of course, that you love the material? Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, fall, the falling in love piece is is number one. And then once that uh, sort of has been achieved by the project, there are a number of things that I think about when deciding whether or not it's something that we should actually move forward with. And and those things do shift a little bit depending on what stage that project is in. Um, and, and, and so that's something to just sort of bear in mind. There's not really a, a, a total cookie cutter um, checklist that we use to evaluate projects here. It's really, um, it, it really will depend a lot on kind of the individual factors of that project. But what is, uh, what is usually my first question uh, is what's the budget? And typically, even if it's just a, you know, first draft of a screenplay by a writer, the writer will usually have an idea of where they want to see that movie end up. And what's really important to me in deciding to move forward with something, regardless of what stage it's in, is um, does that budget make sense for the film? And that can apply to a film that's completed as well. If, um, you know, if I hear from the filmmakers that the budget really did not 
um, you know, maybe they, they spent far more money than they should have. That will definitely affect my evaluation of whether or not we should get involved with the film because, um, you know, as a sales agent, really what you're trying to do in large part is help mitigate the exposure of the equity investors that are involved in the film and make sure that, that you're getting them ideally into profit, but if not into profit, um, as whole as, as you possibly can. So, you know, it, it, that goes along with just the expectations of the filmmakers that you're dealing with. Um, cast obviously plays a major role. Something that's really important to me is director. You know, again, once you've got a finished film, these things speak for themselves a little bit more because it is what it is. You've got whatever cast is in there, and they either have done an amazing job or not. Um, you know, the director has already has already done their job in in creating the film, so you know a little bit more what you're dealing with. When it's early stages, it becomes you know I I as part of my process, I'm always almost always looking at additional material. You know, directing samples. Um, you know, other other films that maybe the the filmmakers have done. Trying to figure out you know what kind of what kind of a risk is this? Is what I'm reading on the page um, really going to turn into what I have in my head? And, and, you know, how likely is it that that's going to happen? Or, um, you know, looking at what the producer, director, you know, any of the sort of filmmaking team has done before. Uh, what budget was that compared to this film that they want to make? Is this film right, significantly right. lower in budget or is it significantly higher in budget? All of these questions, you know, it, that, and that's whether there may be a great disparity in the past and the future it isn't necessarily a concern. But, um, you know, I like to be really well educated about exactly what everybody has in mind before I make a decision about whether or not to get involved in a film because filmmaking at every stage is such a collaborative process. You just can't do this on your own. And one of the most important keys to success is just making sure that you and your partners all have the same idea of where you want to end up at the end of the day and how you want that process to work. So if you were to distill, I guess, uh, two or three or, or more, or however, however many you like, tips for uh, filmmakers when they're going about packaging their film, uh, what would you say? What what would be sort of your uh, packaging presentation tips uh, for the early stage filmmaker that's just bringing a project out? Um, I, I would say number one is do get advice from other people. Um, you know, it's particularly in the domestic marketplace, which is obviously my area of expertise, so I'm not really going to dive too much into international. Um, but the market is always shifting. Uh, what is true uh, or what was true six months ago about a certain type of film is not necessarily true today. And that's just, you know, we are constantly riding a changing wave in, in the domestic distribution marketplace. So what a filmmaker may read in the trades, you know, you can do research, uh, you know, for months and come up with all sorts of examples of what different films did and why and how successful that was. But unless you're actually talking to somebody who who's in it every single day, you're probably not as accurate as you should be in terms of what cast should you be looking at? Um, you know, what budget should you be looking at? So I would say the number one thing is go talk to people who know more than you. Again, you can't make a movie by yourself and you shouldn't expect, you know, that shouldn't be your expectation. Um, you know, find people in every aspect of, you know, it's, it's sort of like if you are a creative producer that has never done a budget before, 
Don't try to do your own budget. Go get a line producer who's done 15 budgets in the last two years and have them, you know, help you put it together. It's the same thing with casting and um, with sort of devising your overall strategy of how you're putting the film together. Go get opinions. Um, That, I think, is really invaluable because, um, you know, for the most part, what you're reading in the trades Um, leaves out really important key information about the unique circumstances of whatever film they're talking about. Um, And inevitably, every single film that I've ever worked on has its own set of unique circumstances. So with that in mind, you want to be aware of maybe what advantages a certain film could have had that uh, makes looking at their casting not necessarily applicable to your own film. So that's number one. Right. I'm trying to think of really, really that's <laughs> trying to think of what else. I mean, no, I do think I, that's, that's good. I do good. think I mean, that doing research is also important, but yeah, I, I think yeah. that, um, that gathering opinions and not being afraid to reach out to your contacts who are in other aspects of the business and get multiple opinions because much, you know, much of what you're going to hear from people is just that they're just opinions. There is, there is no really, um, I mean, there are formulas. You've got all kinds of people working formulas every day in this business and um, and often with a certain level of success. But um, but keep in mind that, you know, every for every foreign sales agent that I call and say, what do you think of this package? I'm probably going to get a little bit of a different answer. So, you know, I would cast a wide net with, with getting people to just give you five or ten minutes of a conversation and hearing what they think about your about your ideas. Got it. We're gonna we're gonna put that down as uh, point number three. Then <laughs> cast a wide net. <laughs> cast a wide net. No, I like it. That's great. That's great. So um, you in in that uh, thought process, you talked about uh, shifting markets, and so you, let's just take a snapshot of today. Um, you're right in the middle of the U.S. sales market. Uh, the, the world is shifting every day. Uh, can you give us a snapshot of what things look like right now from, from, from your perch? Right this minute. Um, you know, there are certain things that are kind of tried and true, uh, in, in terms of what helps a sale along. Um, you know, something that never changes is cast, you know, if it's the right cast and if it's an exciting cast that the distributors feel they can use in the marketing of the film, you're going to have an advantage. Um, I do think that it's a really, really tough time for independent dramas right now. I think that those, you know, there, there are so many movies out there right now. And in order to set yourself apart, you not only have to make something that's really, really incredible, but you have to have some sort of special marketing angle that can be used for it. Now, in certain cases, that can simply be that the movie is so good. Um, in other cases, it might be that you have some really exciting performances by cast um, that a distributor feels like they can really do a lot with. You know, for an independent drama, f- film festivals, and, and where where the film goes, um, goes as their world premiere is really, really, really huge. On the flip side, you know, um, distributors are loving 
action movies that are made for a price with a certain level of cast. Um, horror films are still of interest, but there are so many of them out there. Again, you really have to set yourself apart. Um, I think that the, the POV camera thing, my personal opinion is that that's not something that people should be aspiring to. I think that there are just, there's too much of that. It's, it's, you know, uh, something that will work for only a couple of movies a year. So, um, that's something filmmakers should take into consideration. I, I don't think that it's necessary, especially with what, you know, what I've seen people do on extremely limited budgets, just in terms of production quality. I don't think it's necessary to make excuses for a low budget film by just doing POV camera, but that's just my, it's a little bit more my personal opinion. No, that's actually, Um, that's a great, that's a great note uh, because people are obviously now trying to, you know, do anything and everything with um, the tools that they have and not necessarily realizing that it's about the story you choose and not the tools you have. And the POV seems to be possibly if it's a, a budget case, and I think that's what you're, what you're getting at. The, the whole POV thing may be precipitated by the fact that people have these tools, so they're using them rather than using the tools because the story requires them or wants them. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that, you know, it's and, and this is what I what I mean when I say go get opinions from people. You know, I, I think that filmmakers, um, you know, these days are really smart and that they do read a lot and they do observe what is going on with different films and what, what those films trajectories are. And they look at certain successes and then and then say, OK, well, let's try to replicate that. And I don't think that that is necessarily a bad idea, but I do think that it's worth um, looking a little bit deeper into what's what's actually actually going on in the marketplace because things like the whole POV camera craze has worked excellently for a couple of movies. What most people don't realize is that the number of films that get made with that device being used that do not get distributed is amazing. I mean, it's what, what you're going to get from an expert that you're not going to read about in any, you know, of the trades or, or just any of the online, you know, kind of available opinions out there. What you're not going to find out is what isn't getting distributed and how many of these movies are actually getting made every year and not being paid attention to by distributors. So, I mean, I think, um, I, I think that that what you say about story is just I mean that's that's the key. It's got to be you've got to have a great concept and you then have to execute it to serve that story without trying to come up with some sort of um you know without trying to reverse engineer it. I like that. You got uh, in fact I want to say that again because I think that's an important point. You have to have a great concept and you have to yeah, you say that again. You, I want to, <laughs> I've, I've well, already like, forgotten the last half. But I, I, concept comes first. Yeah, concept yeah. comes first. Come up with something that we haven't seen before. My very favorite thing is to start watching a movie and realize that it is something that I haven't seen before and that it, it really is a unique um, point of view. It can be a subject matter that has been explored in film. I mean, it's almost impossible not to have a subject matter that's explored at some point in film, but it's got to be a new perspective. So you come up with your concept, figure out how to best serve serve that concept in the, the specific medium that film is. Don't try to reverse engineer it based on what other devices you're seeing be successful in the marketplace. At the end of the day, the movies that I see do the best are the ones where the story comes first. I, I love the part about the reverse engineering. Uh, that, that's just so true because you, there's always this one, I don't know, 
I don't want to say tentpole movie because I'm not referring to a studio tentpole movie, but there would be a tentpole movie inside of a genre um, that you know could be you know a paranormal activity or a chronicle or something like that, and then all of a sudden there's you know 20 other movies just like it. But the reason why those first movies worked was because they came up with a great concept and used the tools to serve that concept rather than just trying to reverse engineer the concept to you know make something work. So I, I think the, the, the example and the point you're making, I think, is uh, super important. Uh, but I, I, I am, I do want to dive into that, that, that sales side of those, those films that may be derivative. Do they sell? Do they make money? If someone were to want to start with a derivative type of idea, uh, I mean, you see a lot of these types of movies that sell uh, you know, all the time at, at, at markets, um, there seems to be a market for them or am I wrong? I'm, I just want to get your, your take on that. As with everything in the sales business, it's, it's just on a case by case basis. It depends on, um, it depends on exactly what the movie is and exactly the moment that it's being taken to market. And if it turns out that there's a distributor who has a slot to fill, that's something that people don't think about very often. You know, these distribution companies are, it's, it's, they're running a business and they are releasing a certain number of films per year. They want to keep a certain flow of output on the products, um, going and, you know, their decisions are not just made on being passionate about a movie the same way that my decisions are not made exclusively on being passionate about a movie. You know, for distributors, they have to have a, a, a slot to fill um, that the film makes sense for. So, you know, sometimes you see a situation where somebody's made a great movie and it seems like there should be a number of distributors out there who will be vying for it. But if all of those distributors have just bought five movies that fill the exact same slot that your film fills, you know, that's then, then you're, you're going to have diminished, um, value on that particular movie at that particular time. So that's something that, that, you know, in terms of, of what you can count on, you know, that's something that people have to keep in mind. It's not just about love. Um, and it, it really does have to fit with just some really practical, aspects of the distribution business. Um, but going back to your question about, you know, do those films that are, are maybe kind of derivative concepts work? What I would advise somebody who's trying to do something in a space where they've seen other films have a certain amount of success is be conservative. Um, look at, and, and, and look at, you know, as many aspects as you possibly can of the films that, that are, that are being successful Keep your budget really, really low. Keep your, um, you know, make a movie that that is filling, fulfilling a really specific niche in the marketplace. Again, talk to people, find out, you know, if you're looking at a model that includes maybe you've seen five films that have dealt with a similar concept, uh, and you're you're looking at that at, at trying to be number six. Look at those five films. Talk to the sales agents on those movies. See if you can figure out specifically what the keys to those films' successes were. Um, and hopefully, not there's no guarantee here, but hopefully you will come up with an answer that is more specific than just lightning in a bottle, which sometimes is the answer. Um, so, so see if you can get an idea of 
you know, the top three or four things that you absolutely need to make sure that your film has in order to do a solid kind of sale on it. Um, and, and again, just, just be conservative. If you're doing that, don't aim, you shouldn't be aiming to make, you know, the seven figure deal. You should be aiming to do a reasonable deal that, um, you know, cause essentially what you're doing is you're making a programmer title. Um, and so you're not going to be, you shouldn't expect for things to take off exponentially when you go premiere your film, wherever you're premiering your film, whether it's at a film festival or just in a private screening or at a film market. Um, and, uh, you know, really, really take it all the way in terms of if you're making a, a derivative product, um, y- you should anticipate a similarly derivative deal. Let's shift gears for just uh, a second. I want to, because we mentioned, or it's come up now a couple times just in things that you've, that, that you've talked about, and I want to go into the specific sort of sales cycle and some other facets there, too. Uh, the first of which being festivals. How important are festivals to you and your business right now? Um, it depends on the movie for certain films. I mean, I threw out a, a couple of comments earlier about independent dramas right now. I mean, for an independent drama, it's a must. It's just a must. I mean, what a film festival can bring to a dramatic film that maybe has a log line uh, that doesn't necessarily distinguish it as something um, super uh, innovative or or tantalizing. Um, you know, the film festival, you get so much publicity out of that. You get so much attention. People are talking about the movie. Um, you know, so for, for some films, it is absolutely imperative that they, that they do go and have that film festival life. Um, and it doesn't have to be one of the top, top sales festivals. There are kind of other creative ways that you can draw heat onto, your movie, but, um, but, but it's still, you know, the film festivals, it's not, nothing is going to change in that, in that realm. That is still a very, very important part of the sales process. Now for other films that have really, um, obvious marketing opportunities just built into the concept of the cast, the festival becomes less important. Um, I would never say that, you know, that, that, well, in terms of, in terms of how the film festival plays into the whole life cycle of the film, film festivals are fun. Filmmakers love them. Um, you know, directors get a lot of attention there. It's always something to think about exploring, but sometimes you've got a movie that you know is going to still sell, um, in likely a very similar type of deal. Uh, if you don't show it at a film festival and if you show it to distributors in a different way and depending on the timing and, you know, there's so many factors that go into these decisions. Timing is huge. Um, you know, it may be that the film is ready to go at a time when there just aren't really any any major film festival opportunities for the movie so uh it might be worthwhile to just explore distribution first um we where we have done that and then actually had the distributor take the film to its first film festival and really capitalize on all of that press and publicity and use that to push the actual release of the film so you know again Definitely, it's on a case-by-case basis, um, but it, 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 it's something that I think every independent filmmaker should be considering, um, whether or not you have to be um, a slave to it really depends on your movie and what, what the marketing potential is of your movie just standing on its own. 
So this may be an odd question, but coming out of a film festival, obviously the, uh, the, 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 the banner objective for many filmmakers is you get a distributor, you get a deal of a certain size that makes you happy, and then it goes out to the market, you know, is released in uh, any number of screens across North America. But the question I ask is, is theatrical still important when making a deal? Yeah, I think that theatrical is still important. Again, it, it depends on the movie and it depends on the deal. Um, you know, but the theatrical piece of a release is really great for just getting the word out. Um, it's it's something that a lot of distributors are incorporating into their releases that are really where the release is really all about the VOD and the digital and even sometimes the DVD. Although that again really depends on the film these days. Um, a lot of distributors are still incorporating that theatrical piece because the energy that gets, you know, of the marketing that gets behind the theatrical goes a long way in terms of promoting the VOD and the digital release of the film. Um, and in some cases, depending on how the distributor wants to utilize the foldering and um, just sort of the categories that the film can be filed under on all of the various VOD and digital platforms, the theatrical release may actually be required by the, um, by the different, you know, cable and digital MSOs. So it's, um, it is something that's still important, uh, but it, it, there are a lot of different ways to get your movie out there, and some distributors are getting very, very creative with how they use that theatrical piece. Um, you know, now there are options for filmmakers to explore, like Tug and Gather, where um, they can actually, uh, you know, galvanize certain areas around the country sort of on their own um, to request to see the film in theaters. And, you know, that I, I think that those are great platforms and offer some really interesting opportunities for publicity for these movies. And again, it's really all about the publicity. Um, the money is going to be made with a lot of independent films on those, you know, VOD, digital, DVD platforms, um, not so much on theatrical. It's really just about getting the word out and getting people excited and, um, you know, giving the film a certain kind of perception in the marketplace. Tug and Gather, two platforms that uh, you don't hear a lot about. Do you, uh, have you worked with those platforms at all in terms of you know, the filmmakers that you've worked with who have used them? Can you talk about those platforms in any, in any way, or is it too new a platform? I, I, you know, I can, I can talk about it a little bit. We actually are, are doing it on a film that we produced called Short Term 12, which had a nice theatrical release. that's um, actually still in release in, in certain cities as we speak, um, but we are we are make, in the process of making it available and, and making it available on on Tug and it's um, you know so I've had a little bit of experience with it you know I mean I think the big key that people should understand about this is you've got to have someone in the city where um, where you're trying to do the screening that's really getting the word out because the way that these platforms work um, you know the whole idea is that once you hit a certain number of people who have requested a ticket to to see the film. That's what kind of triggers the screening. If you don't get enough support, the screening doesn't happen. So, um, you know, I would say that that's something where, you know, if you're a filmmaker based in Los Angeles and you're trying to do a screening in Miami, you really need to figure out who you know there, who's willing to kind of like pound the pavement and get um, their community excited about your about your movie. That's that's really the biggest piece I, of advice I have. But, you know, on, on those, and those are not the only platforms that are out there. I mean, I, I would say that if, if there's a filmmaker listening to this who has a film that 
they're thinking about doing their own kind of theatrical push on definitely um, definitely explore uh, explore what's out there in terms of you know these you know call up the, the various people that are running these see what you can find out online um, figure out which may work best for exactly what you're trying to do with your movie um, you know there's there's a lot of information that that you know these platforms will just give to you to kind of help you you know they want your film to be a success as well um, and and again it really comes down to just how much support you can get in those various cities that you're trying to release in you know you're you're getting dangerously close to the whole idea of uh, you know using social media to distribute your film outside of the regular distribution channels <laughs> <laughs> well I mean there are look there are a lot of independent films films that are being made every year. I mean, and, and thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, it's amazing and it's wonderful and exciting. And I think that it is, um, really, you know, if you want to be a filmmaker these days, the barrier to entry is, is really relatively low. Um, and that's really exciting because it means a lot of new voices, every single year in cinema and um you know but with that in mind you know traditional distributors can only distribute so many movies per year and there are a lot of great films that aren't going to end up finding a home with a traditional distributor so i think that um that the ability to then release a film via you know self-distribution and utilizing social media to get the word out is is it's just a natural kind of progression um, from from where the production space has already gone. So if you are in I guess the space where again veering slightly more to the social media self-distribution side of things and less in the traditional, model that currently exists, uh, although these lines being blurred all the time. Uh, you talk about shelf space with distributors. Uh, there's obviously a shelf space with the amount of titles that can be released theatrically. What about shelf space in VOD, um, you know, direct-to-owned, direct-to-rent, uh, that kind of landscape? How difficult is it if I'm a filmmaker now to even if I'm working with attraction uh, that you know or uh, or any sales company that's trying to place my film say to finished product but I'm trying to get it out there to uh, a digital release strategy is there shelf space issues in the digital world and what are you kind of what are you bumping up against right now when you're trying to get films sold and into these you know different markets uh, to a certain extent there is um, I mean you know if 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 you go online or onto your, or just turn on your television and look at what's available on demand. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible how many films there are that are available at any given time. Um, you know, I, 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 so, so yes, there, there is a shelf space issue and there's also an issue of once you actually have that deal and have your film available on all of these various platforms, how do you direct the audience to find it? I mean, you know, I get overwhelmed when I turn on, you know, my Apple TV at home and I look at all of the films that are available, you know, the films that I can stream for free using Netflix, the films that I can buy off of, you know, uh, Apple TV and iTunes. It's, it's, really uh overwhelming and so it, there and and of course i mean with with anything you know there there are really only a certain number of slots that every single provider is going to want to fill every um every cycle 
And so that is something to take into consideration, um, you know, that, that you're not always going to get your perfect rollout because Comcast is going to say, well, actually that day, we really don't need that movie to open. We'd like it to open two weeks from then. Um, you know, so, so sometimes you do get that pushback based on just what the various different providers, uh, you know, what their needs are. But I think that the bigger issue is, you know, beyond that, which you really have no control over. I mean, you know, you just don't. If you call Comcast, you know, and just say, listen, this is my baby and I really need you to put it out um, on a particular day, I don't don't think you're going to get very far with that. Um, But beyond that, really, the the bigger question is, how do you direct people to actually find your movie? Because there are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of titles available at any given time for the consumer. And I think that's really the question that any filmmaker who's undergoing a self-release has to ask themselves. Um, You know, at the end of the day, the providers are willing to entertain any film that they think is going to make money. As are, you know, and, and with certain distributors who are really servicing a lot of movies by putting them through their output deals, that's also the big key. If they think that there's money to be made there and that the film is going to be a natural draw for audiences, then, then there is a way to, to, of course, get those deals done. Um, you know, but it's still going to be up to the filmmaker to a certain extent to actually figure out how to get the word out that, that the audience needs to go and find their movie um, among all of the other titles and click on it and buy it. Um, you know, the, the, the cable providers do do some marketing. Um, you know, there are, are Barker channels and, you know, you get, you get your actor doing a shout out about the movie and trying to direct audiences to, to watch that particular film. But ultimately that's not, that, that doesn't cut it for a lot of independent films and particularly independent films where you've got a filmmaker who, um, is really the one leading the charge on marketing. Um, you know, so, so I think that it's, it's really about figuring out how to make your film enticing and unique to a consumer and really let the consumer know that the film is, is available during, you know, during that window that it is. Um, we've covered a ton of ground today. Uh, I, I kind of just want to, you know, just take this whole conversation, make sure the whole world hears it because there's so much good stuff here. Uh, and I guess if we're just going to wrap up, what would be some of the, the big picture piece of advice that you would give to, um, a filmmaker who's, you know, who's got a script. They're just about, you know, to, to get to that stage where, you know, they're, they're deciding whether or not to, to, to bring you the project to, you know, see whether, you know, traction or, you know, uh, you know, you Marin Olson are, you know, willing to take it on. What's the advice that you give to that, that first time filmmaker who's, who's bringing out the film? I can only give one piece of advice. Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> now I'm excited. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it's God, that's, it's really tough to figure out what's the most important thing that they need to think about. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to go back to something that I said earlier, which is really, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask for opinions and for advice. And I think also, you know, the, the, the thing is be open-minded about what you hear. Um, you know, 
if you're trying to make a movie for $50,000 and you have an angel investor that's willing to give you that, um, okay, you can, you can be a little bit more, um, flexible with, with maybe trying to, you know, trying out a story that, that you're not really sure is inherently commercial and just trying to get your vision out there so that you can, you can show the world what your talents are as a director and then ideally move on to bigger things. Um, you know, but, but, uh, you know, talk to people who are outside of your circle of, of trust. <laughs> um, and, and what I mean by that is talk to people who are, um, you know, going to be willing to say to you, Hey, this is maybe not the direction you should go in. Or if you do go in this direction, these are the things you need to think about. Um, it's, it's tough to make a blanket statement about what that particular independent filmmaker ought to do with their project. Um, because every film is so, so, so different. So I think that really the most important thing is go talk to a few experts who can tell you what you can expect, not just in terms of like finding the financing for your movie or getting the cast for your movie, but actually in the most important piece of, of what film is, how the audience is going to get it. Because, you know, you can go make films all day and if nobody sees them, then what's the point, right? Like that's, that's the entire idea behind the medium is being able to get an idea out to, um, to the masses. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to just, just reach out to people and, um, and take what they have to say to heart and, and think about, is this really the right story to tell? Be critical, um, and that's something that I think is a very difficult thing to do, especially when it's your first when it's your first project. But I have seen the people who are um, most willing to ask for advice and most willing to take advice uh, end up usually having the most successful movies. So, for those people that want to reach out to Traction and get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Well, all of our, our contact information is online on our website. It's www.traction-media.com. So feel free to uh, reach out to us. You can give us a call. You can shoot us an email. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. I mean, we're always, we're always looking for exciting new projects. And one of the most fun things about my job is when I actually come across something where I go, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, and it surprises me. And that's what kind of keeps me going so um so uh you know don't hesitate to to reach out and again it's www.traction-media.com uh or you can find us on imdb pro and all of that sort of sort of uh stuff and i definitely recommend you do if you've got a great project shoot traction and email they are awesome people thank you marion for being on the show today thank you this is a lot of fun